This is episode 11 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today we will look at articles that deal with defensive shooting, ways to get started in emergency preparedness, and expiration dates what you need to know. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, I just wanted to, to say, hey, I'm really still, I'm, I'm really glad to be doing this podcast and hearing back from everybody and uh, the feedback that I'm getting. Uh, it's kind of exciting. So uh, I have recently, you know, this weekend, uh, I wrote an article, kind of put it, put it out there, uh, podcast for the preparedness community. Uh, yeah, I'll just kind of fold that up. I think I have a prepper podcast for the preparedness community. I think that's what the article was. And I have that over on Ed That Matters. That's kind of like my personal website where I, I write my own preparedness articles or if someone gives me a guest post uh, for prepper website, I usually post it over there or, or product reviews or whatever. So do it over there. And uh, so I listed, because podcasts are such a big part of my life and, and I think they're so valuable. Uh, you know, there's prepper podcasts, but those aren't the only ones that I listen to. I listen to all different kinds of podcasts. So I, I did list podcasts that I do listen to there, uh, prepper podcasts, and then I also did li- list some other podcasts that um, that are valuable to me that might be valuable to you too. You might want to go and take a look at that. And also, I would encourage you. There's a, there's so many podcasts out there that I don't know about. If you're listening to a good one that I don't know, man, I'd love for you to go to Ed That Matters and drop it in the uh, in the comment section. I'll leave and uh, I'll leave the link to uh, the the article on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com, so you can just kind of go there and, and, and get to it really really quick. But leave yeah leave leave some comment section just for anybody else who's then you know getting into it and and uh, learning about podcasts maybe or, or wanting to learn more about preparedness because I know some people are hitting the podcast just from from the iTunes store and they're not necessarily coming from Prepper website or from Facebook or one of the social media sites. So uh, leave leave some good information there for other people. If you've got a good podcast that you're listening to and you think it's very valuable, even you know if it if it's a homesteading, whatever, you know, saving money, frugal, whatever, DIY, drop it in there. And so it's it's valuable for the community. If you uh, if you go to edthatmatters.com, you'll see a, a picture of me up on the top right corner. That's exactly where I do my podcast. And so it's kind of funny. I, I started this podcast here uh, today a couple of times because um, the kids have been, uh, you know, the door has closed and different things like that. You hear people coughing or whatever uh, in the other room. I, I gave up my office a long time ago, and so I do everything at the kitchen table. So you get an idea of where I'm at, and uh, it, it's kind of funny. So every once in a while, you'll hear a door close, or I try to edit that out as much as possible, but sometimes it happens right in the middle when I'm talking. I'm just, no, I'm not going to go back and redo all that. And so I just kind of leave it in there. So if you ever hear that, you know that that's what happened. The other night, one of my kids came out and like they were going to open up the refrigerator door and get something. I'm like, I was looking at him while I'm talking. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm right here. I'm doing the podcast. Give me a few minutes. And let me finish up. So I think that's funny. Uh, some of you know that I'm a, I'm a minister. I do a, a weekly little sermonette devotion uh, from the same place. And so uh, I, I usually post those on PrepperChurch.com. I link to them, and uh, so it's kind of funny. You'll see where I'm doing my my podcast. It's right here in my kitchen. 
but I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it and loving hearing from everybody. All right, so uh, like I said, I think we've I've got some really great articles for today, and I'm ready to get started on those. So uh, this first article comes to us from Prepper's Will, and the title of it is Seven Tips for Successful Defensive Shooting. The author is David Andrew Brown. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. Training for armed defense requires a lot of time and effort. If you are not part of the military, you may never achieve an expert level of training. However, there are some defensive shooting tips that should work for everyone. If you ever find yourself in a situation where defensive shooting is your last resort, you should make good use of the following suggestions. Situational awareness and proper gun control are your main friends when it comes to gunfighting. If you are the competitive type, like most preppers are, your goal is to get even better at defensive shooting. It takes a great deal of discipline and practice to master defensive shooting. There are people training and doing drills daily just to be able to operate under pressure. They learn how to read the environment around them and stay, on, stay one step ahead. Defensive shooting doesn't stop when you buy a gun for self-defense and do a few drills. It is quite a complex subject that you need to train hard to stay alive. So seven tips for mastering defensive shooting. Number one, lower your center of gravity. This is one of the few things I've learned when I started training for defensive shooting. Sorry, this is one of the first things I've learned when I started training for defensive shooting. I was quite surprised to see the number of people practicing defensive drills in an upright position. Fighting while standing up straight is just silly and no one should do it. We have a natural instinct of lowering our center of gravity when we are in danger. We do it even for our athletic activities. You're pro- you've probably seen people lowering down when they get started. Defensive shooting is nothing more than an athletic act. A proper, training should, a proper training should rely on our natural tendency to bend forward at the waist and bend our knees. When you are in a defensive shooting situation, you most certainly won't be in your most comfortable stance. People should figure out how good of a shooter they are in all sorts of positions. Start by training in a natural position and advance to positions that make you feel uncomfortable. Number two, learn to visualize a threat. When training for defensive shooting, most people aren't looking past the cardboard or steel targets. They see them as practicing targets and nothing more. To give yourself the proper context for the shooting you are about to do, try to visualize a real threat. Try to see a potential threat behind those targets. When standing in the ready position, give yourself a reason for being in that position. Think about what you would do if someone tries to enter your home. How would you act in the ready position if someone located a few feet away is waving a knife at you? When you decide to shoot, two things need to happen. First, you should visualize the active, actual reason for shooting, like in the example above. And second, you should visualize the end of the defensive shooting scenario. Envision why you stopped shooting in that particular case. What happened to your target? Did he run away? Did he surrender? Number three, pay attention to the two arms reach. As a general rule of defensive shooting, nobody should be able to get their hands on you or your weapon. If that happens, they are much more dangerous for you and the overall scenario can end tragically. If you have a gun in your hand, the last thing you want is for someone to be able to get in contact with you or touch your gun. When defending yourself, you should keep the proper distance between you and your attacker. In defensive shooting, this distance is called two arms reach or TAR. Some instructors argue that the distance must distance must be further based on the length of tools or reaction time however it is just a matter of details 
One rule of defensive shooting states that one should stay outside of tar when confronting an imminent threat. Even more, you should keep yourself and the muzzle of your gun outside of reach when doing a recon drill. This is essentially important when the defensive shooting scenario involves approaching corners or other places where someone could be hiding. Number four, learn one-handed ready positions. Sometimes you will have to get the tar or deal with an unknown situation. Sorry. Sometimes you will have to get within tar or deal with unknown situations. There could be a potential threat that catches you by surprise and you won't be ready for it. When that happens, be sure to transition to a one-handed ready position. This involves keeping your gun close to your body and using your other hand to delay the threat. You should use your free hand to shield yourself or fend off a gun grab attempt. It is better to have your arm slashed by a knife and be able to shoot the attacker than to have your gun taken from you. When you are on the range, practice shooting from one-handed retention positions. Defensive shooting requires for you to be able to quickly transition from a one-handed ready position to a two-handed extended shooting position. So just a little side note, you want to make sure that when you're at the range, that the range that you're in is allowing you to do different things like that and different drills. I know there's a lot of them that, that won't. Um, so just FYI, if, if you're going to a, fi a firing range or a range that... Um, you know, that you like and you like going to, you don't want to tick off everybody. You want to make sure that you, you know, you, you do the right thing. But definitely uh, there are ranges where you can do that. You want to find those. All right, number five, avoid looking at your gun while reloading. This is one of the mistakes I kept on making while training for defensive shooting. It took a lot of effort and determination from my part to get rid of this bad habit. When you are practicing with a defensive tool and mastering its use, you should never look at it. To put it simple, during an emergency situation, you shouldn't look at the tool you are using. You should keep your eye on the target and your surroundings. In a gunfight, there are many things you should keep your eyes on. Defensive shooting requires you, for you to be able to see the elements from your environment. As a rule of thumb, keep an eye on the location of the attacker, bystanders, the attacker's action, any other potential threats, law enforcement responders, cover positions, exit from the area. As you can see, you have many details to pay attention to during a defensive shooting scenario. When it comes to reloading your guns, there shouldn't be any unknowns. Learn to reload confidently without looking at your gun. The magazine release is always in the same place and the same goes for the magazine well. If you don't look at your gun while reloading, you can save precious seconds in a real defensive shooting scenario. Train to always keep your eye on the threat. Even a split second can allow for a number of things to change around you. Number six, you have to be fit to survive. No matter how you look at things, if you want to defend yourself and help others during a defensive shooting scenario, you should be fit. You should be able to make the transition from a resting position to a ready position without breaking a sweat. During one of my defensive shooting classes, I learned that you should get your gun from your secure spot in less than 30 seconds during a home invasion. This means that you should be able to quickly reach your gun safe spot from the place in your home when you where you spend most of your time. Even more, every teen and adult should be able to carry or drag another person during a defensive shooting scenario. During a home invasion, you might need to move family members from one spot to the house to another. If dragging someone up the stairs is not doable for you, you should get in shape. Gunfighting, just like any other type of fighting, is an athletic effort. Prepare your body to be able and fight. Number seven, buying two or more carry guns is not recommended. 
Unless you are a gun collector, you shouldn't have more than two self-defense carry guns. More than once, I've seen my friends getting a gun and afterwards looking to buy something new, completely different. Personally, I think that if you found an EDC pistol that is a perfect fit, you should stick with it. If you want to get a second gun, you should stick to one type of operating style. It makes much more sense buying two of the exact same model than two different firearms. Think of it this way. Everything related to your firearm will be consistent and interchangeable. You won't have to spend additional money or on ammunition, sights, tools, holsters, and anything else that implies owning a new firearm. If you have to get another gun, buy two of the same type. Buy in different sizes. I own one for everyday carry and another one for keeping in the home or workplace. My combination is a Glock 17 and a Glock 26. My advice. Defensive shooting is much more than what is written in this article. However, I do feel that most people fail to consider these tips when training for a defensive shooting scenario. These are the types of things that I've seen over the years while training at the range. When it comes to defensive shooting, I advise you to train for the real world and not for the range. Alright, so a lot of good information there. Um, good, good tips. Definitely you want to seek out training and you, you do want that to be part of your, uh, uh, your skill set. So look, look in your area and see if there are uh, places where you can go, ranges that have classes. And it's also, you know, when you go to those classes, you, don't be a loner. You know, get to know some of those people. You might find that you have a lot in common with some of those people uh, that are there training. Uh, you might even find some preppers that you might uh, be able to connect with and, and uh, have some things in common. All right, let's go ahead and go on to the next one. So this is coming to us from your own home store, uh, and this is Misty. So it's your home, your own home store.com. Again, and I, I do recommend that you go check out the different uh, websites. I mean, they always have links that you can go to and, and different things that you, uh, you want to see there, and you want to check out the comments. Um, so uh, Misty has this article. It's entitled Five Easy Ways to Get Started on Emergency Preparedness. I think this is valuable because I know that there are people that are finding us on, on iTunes and on Stitcher and some of the other podcast networks, and they might not necessarily um, you know, be very familiar with preparedness or maybe they're, they're fairly new. But even if you're not, even if you've been prepping for a while, these are still good things to, to think about, good things to, uh, to, to apply. So let's start reading this one. Getting started on emergency preparedness can sometimes feel huge, so much so that many people want to get started but don't. And that ultimately is the purpose of my website, to help those people get started on emergency preparedness. It doesn't have to be hard and overwhelming. In fact, I actually personally believe that you will be more successful in the long run by consistently doing small things than you will be making some crazy huge effort. I got the idea for this post as I've been reading the book The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson this week. On a side note, I highly recommend the book. The basic idea is that true success doesn't come from big acts or changes. Instead, success actually comes from small acts. Changes performed consistently over time. Because they are small and simple, these acts, changes, are things that are easy to do or easy not to do. Success comes over time when you commit to doing them consistently. So I decided to apply this idea to emergency preparedness. I asked myself, what are small things that those new to emergency preparedness could do consistently? That is how I came up with the following five ways to easily get started on emergency preparedness. Um, 
So think about it. One article won't take you more. I'm sorry. The first one is the first way to easily get started on emergency preparedness. Read one article about emergency preparedness every week. Think about it. One article won't take you more than 5 to 15 minutes to read. Anyone can find that much time. It is easy to do. And if you do it, you will have read 52 articles by this time next year. And you will have a significant amount of increased knowledge about emergency preparedness. So, what are you waiting for? Decide right now when you will read your article each week. Schedule it in your calendar. You can find and search through many articles on my website here. In addition, if you are on my email list, I will send you an article to read each week once you finish the intro evacuation course. So she has links to uh, articles for her website and then her email list there. The second way to easily get started on emergency preparedness. Use coupons at the grocery store and put the money you save into an emergency fund. Print out just a few, three to five coupons here. So there's a link there. Each week before you go grocery shopping. So side note, I, you do want to make sure that you don't go crazy couponing and downloading and printing off, wasting a lot of paper and ink on things that you're not going to use. Definitely, you want to coupon stuff that you know you're going to use. And so hopefully you know that, but you can very easily get sucked into all of that. So continuing on. Keep track of how much you save and then put that much cash into an emergency fund envelope that you can use in case of a power outage when credit card machines aren't working. Finding and printing the coupons won't take you more than five minutes each week. It is easy to do. If you save one to three dollars each week, you will have over one hundred dollars in your fund at this time next year. That will bring peace of mind that even if you can't use your credit cards for a bit, you can still provide your family with the essentials for a time. The third way to easily get started on emergency preparedness. Buy one extra item each time you go grocery shopping. If you consist consistently add just one extra bottle of spaghetti sauce or one extra package of pasta, etc. when you go grocery shopping each week, your budget will hardly notice. But your pantry will slowly but surely get a bit fuller and you will know that you can feed your family for a time even if you can't get to the grocery store or the shelves are bare. Uh, side note, that's a great idea, Copy, uh, copycat um, canning or, or going to the grocery store. I think that's a, that's a great idea. You buy one, one can of green beans, you know, buy two. And uh, so good idea there, little small steps. The fourth way to easily get started on emergency preparedness, fill juice and soda bottles with water each week. If you buy juice like apple juice or grape juice, etc., those types of bottles or two liter soda, you can store water in those containers and build an emergency water supply for free. Simply drink your juice soda, put a few drops of bleach in the containers and fill it halfway with water. Shake it up for a minute or so, dump the water, refill halfway with just water and shake it up again. Dump the water, refill it to the top with water, put the lid on and store it in a cool dark place. Two minutes total and you started an emergency water supply. Do this every week and you will have 25 plus gallons of water stored for your family after one year. The recommended minimum is three gallons per person, which would be 18 gallons for my family of six. So that's just uh, that's a small amount. I think you definitely want to go more than that. That's just a very, very minimum. So important note. Uh, if you are storing water in these containers, I highly recommend you rotate every six. If stored in a warmish place like a garage, to 12. If stored in a cool, dark place, months. 
uh, to rotate, just dump the water and repeat the process with the bleach, then refill it. I wouldn't refill them more than once or maybe twice for a solid juice bottle. All right, so um, that's a great idea. And if you know, I know there's a lot of people who are listening that don't do soda, uh, and, but there's always people that are out there that do. So if you know a few people, just, hey, I'm saving up two-liter bottles, and you don't even have to tell them why. Just, hey, I'm saving up two-liter bottles for a project. If you have some, can, uh, can you save them for me? And uh, voila, there you go. All right. So uh, moving right along, the fifth way to easily get started on emergency preparedness. Complete one quick emergency preparedness project each week. Commit to spending 10 to 15 minutes on an emergency preparedness project each week. 10 to 15 minutes isn't much and most everyone can find that time. You can find a list of 10 minute-ish projects on my website here. You can also find a large number of emergency preparedness quick tips on one of my friend Jane's Pinterest website here. None of these will take you very long and all of them are easy, easily doable. Do one a week and you will have completed 11 plus hours worth of emergency preparedness project by this time next year. Do all five of these things consistently and within just a year's time you will do far more than just get started on emergency preparedness. You will have a small emergency fund, water supply, and food supply. You will have completed 52 mini projects and read 52 articles to increase your knowledge and skills. Then you can set, step it up next year and choose additional small simple things that you can do consistently to continue getting better prepared. In order to help you do this effectively and really commit to it, I have created a printable checklist. Print it out by clicking on the image below and make sure you check off each task each week. All right, so she uh, again. So you want to, like I said, you want to you want to go to these websites and check them out. So you have this printable checklist, and then um, you know every website has, for the most part, has the email list that you can kind of uh, link up with. I mean, you, you they're going to give you a lot of the times they're going to give you something in return for uh, you signing up, and then you're going to get their information. And there they are. They will send you stuff, products and stuff, and that's kind of like a little price that you pay uh, for. Uh, the the information that they're giving you and the the mini courses that they're doing um, and so that's just that's just part of it but uh, definitely uh, worth it and so go check that out uh, again that's uh, yourownhomestore.com uh, and again I have links to all of these uh, articles on the prepper website podcast.com all right last one and this is uh, you're gonna want to go visit this one for sure because there's a lot of comments. Food storage over the years on Prepper website, um, food storage is a big deal. Um, people, that's one of the the articles types that really people are interested in because food. I mean, without food, forget it, right? And so, uh, you know, that's always one that gets, you know, a good article, a good food article is going to get a lot of play out there. And so, there's a lot of comments here, especially on this one, debunking expiration dates what you need to know. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. Again, this is at askaprepper.com. And this is by Sarah Davis. I'm going to start reading this one. Uh, when, when going through your food stockpile, you may observe that some foods are past their expiration date, even though you have probably been extra careful when you organized your pantry and tried to rotate your goods as often as possible. So do you know how to determine if something is still good for consumption, even if it's expired? Since time immemorial, packaging of food has been a critical guideline in preserving various kinds of foods throughout the entire distribution chain. 
Without this component, processing of food would be com comprised due to direct contact with physical, biological, and chemical contaminants that reduce the shelf life of manufactured products. In the world of food packaging and shelf life determination, there are many terms that a consumer has to understand in order to avoid foods that are not fit for consumption or to prevent throwing away food that is still fit for intake. Such terms include best before, used by, sell by, and expiration dates. Best before. The best before term is used to describe the freshness state of a given product. It informs consumers on the period, on the period within which fla flavor and other quality parameters will remain optimal during consumption. In most cases, this kind of labeling appears on baked products such as cookies and biscuits. Other products featuring this label are snacks, cereals, and some canned products. Most foods are safe for consumption after best before dates, though the nutritional and other sensory characteristics might have slightly deteriorated, but the shelf life is still active. Use by. This parameter is used to indicate the potential of a given product to achieve its intended purpose in a holistic manner within the stipulated time frame. For instance, the use-by date on refrigerated dough implies the period within which the product will preserve its rising power. In perishable products such, such, yogurt, such as yogurt and meats, it includes the duration of premium quality characteristics associated with these products. In some special cases, such as infant formula, the use-by date is associated with a decrease in nutritional value. So you can actually eat the food after the use-by date, but it's probably not going to be top quality. Sell-by. Sell-by dates denote the period within which a product is to be displayed for sale in a store. Although the retailer is required to pull back the product after that date, it is legal to still sell the product since it is safe for consumption. Furthermore, the law allows the sell-by date to be changed depending on the freshness and wholeness, wholeness of the product especially in the case of fresh products such as meat. This label is used to guide sellers on the period during which a given product is supposed to stay on their shelves. Most food products are safe to consume one week after the sell date. Expiration date. The expiration date includes spoilage of food and it is not fit for consumption after that date. After this date, eating such food can result in infections and in extreme cases it can lead to death. This is because microorganisms might have proliferated in the food due to the breakdown of various complex components into simpler compounds, availing food for pathogenic microorganisms. Furthermore, toxic compounds may have developed in the course of storage that might be detrimental to human health when consumed. Expiration Dates and Safety Thresholds of Food the majority of people consider expiration dates to be critical and precise parameters that has to be adhered to by all means. As a result, huge wasted, wastage of food is being experienced due to lack of knowledge on the concept that these labels are merely printed dates for when manufacturers presume their products will be fresh and fit for consumption. However, some foods can, ex be, however, some foods can extend these dates depending on storage conditions, and their safety threshold will still be okay when consumed. This applies mostly to processed products and as, general, and as a general rule, the more polished and processed the food is, the lengthier it can be kept past the expiration date. This rule is exempted for some meat-based products such as sausages, hot dogs, and sandwich meats, which are not supposed to be consumed after the expiration date. 
This is because they are prone to Listeria bacteria, which causes Listerosis infection, and in some instances can lead to meningitis. There's a Robertson 2010 is, uh, is the citation there. The most common foods that can be consumed past their expiration dates include products like pasta, bread, frozen foods, canned foods, and fresh fruits and vegetables. And all these products, storage conditions will determine their suitability and reliability past the expiration date. When stored in a dry and relatively cool place, pasta can stay even double the period of its expiration date. The same case applies to canned foods, which can also stay edible for one to two years past their expiration date when stored in a dark and cold place. When fruits and vegetables are kept at low temperatures of around 400, uh, I don't know if that's 400 degrees Fahrenheit, that's got to be 40 degrees Fahrenheit. There's an extra O in there or the degrees, the degree symbol is, is off. Sorry about that. So yes, it would not be 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, let me read that again. When fruits and vegetables are kept at low temperatures of around 40 degrees Fahrenheit, they can surpass their expiration period and stay for some weeks without going bad. However, care should be taken when exposing fruits to very low temperatures since they experience chilling injury. Furthermore, fruits which produce ethylene should not be stored together with vegetables because of the degradation properties of this gas. Frozen foods can also stay beyond their expiration date for more than a month when stored in a freezer at a temperature of zero degrees Fahrenheit. And the citation there is uh, a CAD 2000. Whole eggs can be consumed past their expiration date provided that they record a positive result in an egg barometer test. In this method, an egg is put in a bowl full of water and if it floats, it is not suitable for consumption since bacteria count is beyond the safety threshold. Final word. With an increasing number of food products on the market, it is important for consumers to be aware of the various terms applied when labeling food packages in order to avoid confusion on edible and inedible products. So with all of this being said, it looks like the dates are mostly indicators and not something to be strictly followed. The best thing you can do is to rely on your senses to determine whether or not the expired food is still good to eat since this is how our forefathers tested food for centuries. Again, so um, good information. I think that uh, you know everybody should should pay attention to that. And again, you want to use your brain when it comes down to this. Uh, looking at the um, the comments here, I mean, there's right now when I'm reading this, there's 22 comments and uh, a lot of information. People are saying we've been doing this for years. Uh, I've had stuff since so one person was saying since uh, Y2K. I just finished off the the chili yesterday. Um, other People said that another person said, no, I know somebody read somewhere someone died. So, I mean, you, you got to use your brain, but go check out askaprepper.com. Check out this, this article and um, look at the comments there because that, that is a, a, a thing that we need to know. You know, we're wasting a lot of food out there. And definitely the best thing to do is to do that first in, first out. Um, and that you, you've got to be disciplined to do it. So when you come home with new groceries, you got to put that new groceries towards the back or the, the, the new cans, I'm sorry, not groceries, but specifically canned foods and things like that. You got to put those to, to the back and move everything forward. And that way, you know, you're going through a cycle of using everything. There are those, um, little cans and, or, or, uh, 
what do you call them, little rotating shelves that you can make them. And then you can also buy them uh, off of Amazon, I'm sure. But, you know, you can put the, your, your new cans in there and so it'll automatically rotate it. But if you don't want to spend that time or you don't have to spend the money for that or you don't have the, the, the space for it, then you just got to do that. And just be disciplined to put new cans in the back and bring um, the, the other cans forward so you use those. But anyway, I think that's a. This is a great episode. You know, we got a lot of good information there, and definitely, like always, like I say, please come to Prepper website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and check out the links. You can link there, and you can go directly to these articles and uh, go. You know, there's there's always links and always things that you can benefit from when you go visit these uh, these websites. So that's it for this episode. Um, again, that's episode 11. Wow, I can't believe it. It's Like I said, it's been a, a lot of fun. Hey, before I go, if I can ask you for a big favor. You know, your review on iTunes and Stitcher and any other podcast network, if you're listening to it there, um, is, is very, very valuable to the podcast because that's what search engines use to kind of you know, bring you up in the in the rankings and then that also tells the podcast network that hey this you know people are listening to this one and so that brings you up uh, in in their rankings as well and so if you if you're getting value if you can if you can go and give a a, a positive review on the podcast network the whatever, whatever way you're listening to it i know there's a lot of people coming from iTunes uh because you're using apple products to to access the uh the podcast a lot of the times on your podcast catcher there are there are ways where you can just go rate the rate it from there and so uh, you can do it there but if not I have links on the prepper website podcast.com you can just kind of come and hit the, those links and get there and, and leave a, a positive review uh, or if you know you want to share this podcast out let other people know there's ways you can do it you can do it through email you can do it through all the social media I've got links for all of that or if there was an if there was a podcast or, or an episode that was really, really great and you think that other people need to hear, man, I'd really appreciate it if you'd you know, send that out through social media. We have all those links on the website to make it easy for you. So, again, uh, I really appreciate all the feedback that I'm getting and also the people that are out there helping me get the word out. So hey, don't forget to drop by the Prepper website, podcast.com. Leave me a note. Uh, drop me a little line there or hit me up on social media. You can get uh, hit me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can hit me on uh, all, all those social media outlets are linked on the Prepper website, podcast.com. So anyway, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with other great articles to share. Don't forget to hit PrepperWebsite.com for all those daily articles that we're posting every single day. Uh, a lot of great information there as well. I can't get to all of those uh, here on the podcast, but a lot of great information there. So until tomorrow, guys, stay prepped and aware. Peace.